Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith with Ministry Watch, and I'd like to welcome you to this Ministry Watch Extra episode. And today we have back on the program Ron Sellers. Ron is the president of uh, Gray Matter Research, and they are doing great research into charity and philanthropy and Christian ministries and just sort of the whole Christian evangelical subculture generally. Uh, Regular listeners to the podcast know that we've had him on uh, a number of times already. And Ron, you guys have done a new survey that I want to chat with you about today. So um, this study, uh, you know, really focuses a good deal on on uh, who gives within the evangelical uh, church, but especially within the family, who makes the decisions. I think there is a mythology out there that the women uh, maybe make more of the decisions, or maybe some might say, no, no, it's the men and the women have nothing to do with the money in the house. But in fact, what your study found is that um, it's both, that both of them play key roles in the charity and philanthropy decision-making process. Well, having worked with many different ministries and nonprofits over the years, I can tell you there's a, there's a common mythology within these organizations that women drive the giving decisions. And that may be true in some organizations, but what we found in this latest study, working again with Infinity Concepts, is that really it's, it's fairly even between when you, when you look at unmarried individuals, the men actually tend to give more, but the men also tend to have significantly higher household income. So it's, it's easier for them to give more. When we look at generosity, meaning the proportion of income that is given away, it is very slightly higher for unmarried men than for unmarried women, but really not amounting to more than an average of $100 to $200 a year for the the typical unmarried individual. When we look at married households, one of the challenges that organizations often have is they know what household the money is coming from, but they have no idea who is actually driving the decision. And in many cases, we will, for instance, we'll call a household and say, may I speak with Warren Smith, please? And I'm calling on behalf of so-and-so when I'm doing a survey. And Warren will tell us, well, you you really shouldn't be talking to me. I just write the checks. My wife is the one who made that decision, and and she's the one who really supports this ministry. Or the wife will tell us that I'm a husband. So it's very difficult a lot of times to determine in a two-adult household Who's actually doing the giving? That's one of the reasons that Great Matter and Infinity Concepts did this stuff. Well, Ron, you know, that finding, I guess, honestly, because maybe because I cover this uh, topic a lot and have been writing about it and reporting on charity and philanthropy for a while, didn't really surprise me uh, too much. I mean, a little bit. It was great to have the numbers, of course. I think the bigger finding for me, um, the one that surprised me more, was just the fact that um, 22% of evangelicals gave no money to either church or charity within the last 12 months. Now, if you had told me that that number represented self-identified evangelicals, in other words, just got people that just say, oh, I'm an evangelical, I would have said, well, that kind of makes sense, because I think a lot of people who are even, who say they are evangelicals don't even have any idea what the word means. But you guys actually qualified who an evangelical is. You asked them some specific questions. First of all, can you say what those questions are? 
Um, because I think it's important to know that your definition of evangelical is not just somebody who says they're an evangelical, but believes certain things. Which made, but uh, but I will have to say though that that made the finding even more surprising to me. Um, the fact that people actually say you know actually believe evangelical distinctives are not giving any money at all. I mean, 78% did give, so I guess that's an overwhelming majority. But the fact that 22% didn't surprise me. Did it surprise you? No, because I had been looking at stats like this for a long time. And as a matter of fact, we did a very similar study with the same population, uh, 2020, I believe it was. And at that point, it was it was a very similar number. Um, and in fact, it, the, the proportion who don't give in any given year can be affected by things that are going on. Somebody loses her job, somebody retires, somebody has health problems and a lot of medical expenses, a kid goes off to college or whatever, and they may decide, you know, this year I didn't get a bonus, I don't have any money to give, and so they won't give in a typical year. But we also find that 10% of evangelicals give nothing. Period, end of story, point blank, never. It is as a matter, as a lifestyle choice, they simply do not give money. Again, that really doesn't surprise me, you know, the proportion who don't give it a year and the proportion who don't give it all, because just because somebody has evangelical beliefs does not mean that they, they hold to everything that the evangelical world would tend to teach, whether that is sexual morality, whether that is giving, whether that is attending worship or gathering with, with, with other believers, etc. Uh, and there are there are plenty of people out there, and I'm sure all of our listeners could think of at least one or two offhand who may have evangelical beliefs, but they don't remotely live an evangelical lifestyle. Yeah. And just to, to briefly answer your, your question about how we define these, these are people who strongly agree with four different statements that the Bible is the highest authority for what they believe, that it is important for them to encourage non-Christians to trust Christ as their Savior, that Jesus' death on the cross is the only sacrifice that can remove the penalty of their sin, and that only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of eternal salvation. And so this is the definition that is used in research by the National Association of Evangelicals uh, and we were involved in in creating this uh, this definition and joint boy research as well. Now, Ron, um, some of the other. By, by the way, I want to remind our listeners that um, I'm going to have a link to the complete study, uh, which goes on for almost 40 pages, uh, in the show notes for today's program. And uh, Ron, you and I are just looking at the executive summary. Uh, in at the at the beginning of this thing, so there's just a ton of information in this um, study that you guys have produced, and I do commend that to our to our um, listeners here. Uh, one other thing that I uh, wanted to mention is that 84% of evangelical couples report being largely in agreement about giving to faith-based organizations uh, when there are disagreements on this, the woman is twice as likely as the man to a push for supporting Christian organizations. Um, I also found that finding interesting. you have any color commentary that you can add to that? I think in some ways this also flies in the face of, of what I have seen as a common myth out there, which is that 
um, women want to give more to their to faith-based organizations because they are stronger in their faith, more likely to be believers, etc. And they're often held back by husbands who are unbelievers, who are not interested in giving, or whatever the case may be. And we we really don't see very much of that. I mean, 84% being largely in agreement about giving to faith-based organizations, that, that doesn't leave a lot of disagreement out there, obviously. Now, the other thing that it, it demonstrates, when there is disagreement, it is the woman more likely to push for supporting a Christian organization. Just like when um, when couples do not give evenly, it is the woman who tends to give a little bit more. When one or the other spouse is more involved in driving the giving decisions, it is a little more often the woman who does that rather than the man. But in, in so many cases, there is largely agreement and there's joint action by couples in evangelical households. Uh, you, you know, you look at the fact that 71% say that they and their spouse mostly agree on what causes and organizations to support. And in fact, only 2% report significant disagreement. And the fact that almost two thirds do all of their getting together as a couple. So they don't even, there's not even a situation where their husband has the credit card and decides to give to one organization and the wife has the debit card and gives to another organization. It, in most cases, it is a fully collaborative joint effort and, and that's how these households are more more often working. Ron, I don't mean to throw you a curveball because I'm about to ask you a question that is not in this study specifically, but I, I I just can't resist when I have an expert like you on you know on the phone to 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 um, try to pick his brain a little bit. Um, so I'm wondering how much money um, uh, families couples uh, give to church versus Christian ministry. In other words, if I let just to make the math easy here, if I've got to give, you know, if I if I give ten thousand dollars a year um, away, um, how much in in round numbers, how much of that is going to the church and how um, you know and how much of it is going to other ministries? Is it the vast majority going to the local church and only a you know a small amount going to ministries or or do you have any insight into that at all? I know this was not part of your survey. I apologize for throwing you a curveball here, calling an audible here in the interview, but I'm but I am wondering about that. Well, first of all, if you gave ten thousand a year away, you're a highly unusual evangelical because we actually looked at some of these uh, some of these issues again with infinity concepts in uh, a couple of years ago in a study called the Generosity Factor: Evangelicalism Giving. And so we looked at the fact that, for instance, 74% of evangelicals in the course of a year give to church, some amount at least, and 58% give to charity. So 51% give to both. So you, you, they're more likely, number one, to give to church than they are to give to charity. Um, when, you know, there's a lot of debate about tithing. You know, is it, is it on the net? Is it on the gross? Does it have to be to a church? Can it be to parachurch ministries? Can it even be to a secular or a secular organization like uh, Red Cross or something like that? In a lot of ways, uh, on a practical level, it's a completely moot argument because only 13% of evangelicals give anything close to a tithe. Um, you have 
one thing that we that we do find is, and we touched on this a little bit earlier, the uh, the average amount of money given by evangelicals who who are spiritually engaged, who are weekly Bible readers or more, or going to church regularly, who are participating in small groups, etc., is dramatically higher. The church, to charity, to, to any source, giving is dramatically higher when people are spiritually engaged. So again, that goes back to my earlier comment that you may have evangelical beliefs, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are you are living your life following the Word of God. Um, the the average evangelical donor, people who actually do give, gave four percent of their income to church or charity in the past year, and the majority of that was to church. So that I mean, those are just a kind of cherry picked some statistics that I could grab right off the top of my head from that report. But that, that gives you a little bit of an idea. Um, and, and in fact, I'll, I'll give you a direct answer to your question. Now that I'm just looking at this point here. From our report, The Generosity Factor, the average evangelical donor gives 71% of donated money to church and 29% outside of church. And that might be to a ministry, to secular charity, but but that's it's, a, it's about a 70-30 split. Right, right. That's super helpful. Well, Ron, let's go back to the this the current study here. <laughs> and uh, first of all, I really appreciate you uh, being able to pivot so fluently and and answer that question. So thank you for that. But back to the current study. Uh, you know what what's the what's the big idea? What's the bottom line? Both for both for donors. You know, maybe just uh, actively engaged Christian donors. Uh, you know what what insider advice would you have for them, but also for ministry leaders or pastors that might be using this information to help them communicate to donors? Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the takeaway here? I think for the, just the average donor, a lot of it is, you know, we as people have kind of a drive to see how we compare to everybody else. Um, you know, that's why you look at like top 10 places to live and you think, well, boy, I live in one of those places and I wouldn't call it top 10 or I would never consider that place. People like to see what other people are doing. And so this gives people, this gives donors a little bit of a view of how they compare to other people out there, to other evangelical donors. So that's always a, a point of interest just for the for the typical individual. For uh, For those who are involved in fundraising, a lot of this is a warning that they need to do a better job of understanding truly who their donors are. You know, they get a they get a, a donation online from Mrs. Jerry Smith. Well, is that really from Mrs. Jerry Smith, or was that from Jerry Smith? And the woman happens to be the one who actually handles the outgo of the money and, and writes the checks and makes the donations. You know, if you get a um, a donation from Ricardo and Serena Montalban. Is it really a joint a joint decision? Does Serena know anything whatsoever about it? Ricardo is driving the decision. Does does Serena really not support the decision? A lot of organizations, when they get a gift from a couple, will just communicate with one part of that couple. If it is a joint decision, if you and your wife are jointly supporting kids alive then wouldn't your wife also like to hear from them and what they're doing, what they're accomplishing yeah. and, you know, special needs they have rather than just you, because you're the one who happened to use this credit card. 
So there's a lot that organizations really need to think through about, are we making assumptions? Or the one, I'm not sure how often it, how often it happens anymore, but the one that used to drive some people that I knew absolutely nuts is the there would be a gift from a couple and it would automatically be become Mr. and Mrs. Richard Smith. And Mrs. Richard Smith would be looking at this and say, I hold a job, I contributed to this money, and all I get is a Mrs. I'm not even a name. I'm not even, I'm not even on here as a donor, right? And that can be really, really offensive to a lot of women. And yet there are still organizations out there that will automatically do that. So organizations really need to, to consider beyond the assumptions and beyond the surface level of what the check says or whose credit card it was, is there a way that we can get to know our donors more effectively to understand how these decisions are being made and who we should actually be communicating with? That's really great feedback, Ron. And uh, listen, I just want to say once again, thanks so much for being on the program today. I'm grateful. Uh, really helpful uh, study. And f again, for those listening, we will have a link uh, to this uh, study in the show notes for uh, today's program. So make sure you get your own copy. You can download it for free if you give Ron a little bit of information, like your email address and your name, uh, so he knows who to send it to electronically. So um, do that. Hit the link. Get your own uh, copy of the study. Read it. And um, I think you'll find it to be nourishing and helpful. So with that, let me just uh, uh, bid everyone adieu here for today's extra episode of the Ministry Watch podcast. I want to shout out to our producers, Jeff McIntosh and Rich Rosel, and also note that we get technical database and other uh, support from uh, Christina Darnell, from Kim Roberts, from Casey Suddeth, and Stephen DeBerry. Uh, I'm Warren Smith. I'm the president of Ministry Watch and the host of the podcast. Until next time. May God bless you.